Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver now. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. Hello everyone, my name is Andy McKean and I am the Artistic Director here at Streatham Space Project. It's a real pleasure having the premiere performance of this show, Will You Call the Police, Clive, in our theatre. And I think you'll agree it's been unforgettable. Now, before we shoot off, I have some fantastic news, which is that the cast and creatives of Will You Call the Police, Clive, are going to be staying for a post-show Q&A. Uh, oh, and uh, one of the actors is already here, I see. That's Morris, already hanging around. So if you've got any questions about the show you've just seen, you can ask the company, who will be fully assembled in a few minutes, so then you can fire away. Now, just while we are waiting for them, of course, it's a special privilege to have Will You Call the Police, Clive, the Ruth Ellis musical, for a few reasons. Uh, not only is it great to have the world premiere of a musical about the last woman in the UK to be hanged for murder, but also because Ruth Ellis once worked in this very building. That's right, before the redevelopment, this site housed the famous Caesars nightclub, and before that, the Lacona, a very popular South London dance hall where Ruth Ellis worked and was frequented by all sorts of notable names, including the infamous Cray Twins. Now, this place is full of ghosts, and it's said that Ruth's spirit appears and disappears through a fire escape in the back of the building. And since we've been here at Streatham Space Project, strange things have happened. This is true, I kid you not. There's a big, heavy plant pot on the door. You might have seen it on your way in. Well, there was a time when it kept falling off overnight, and we checked it on the CCTV. We've got CCTV footage of one of the back offices, and there's a mop that kept falling over in the middle of the night until we moved the mop back into the mop cupboard. And then, only a few weeks ago, in the run-up to this show coming in for rehearsal, we left the theatre one night, and when we came back in the morning, all of the cables in the lighting box at the back had been tied into little nooses. Oh, ready? Great. Uh, this is the director, Babe Collins, who's ready to lead the Q&A, so it's my pleasure, and we are dead excited to introduce the team behind Will You Call the Police, Clive? The Ruth Ellis Musical. Hi, I'm Babe Collins, and uh, this is Morris. <coughs> <coughs> so, <coughs> sorry, got fog in my throat. Uh, thanks for sticking with us for this Q and A. It's, uh, it's it's great to have you here. It's a little less than we uh, than we would have liked, but we're grateful for you, true spirits of theatre. Uh, I'm the director slash writer slash producer, and uh, I suppose the visionary. And uh, 
I've been in the biz for a long time now, uh, creating musicals, some original pieces, some adaptations, a long and varied list of killer shows. So uh, while the rest of the cast just quickly get changed and uh, <laughs> clean all the blood off the stage and, and themselves, uh, it might take them a, a while, as I'm sure you all will agree. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, well, uh, it was a lot of blood tonight. <laughs> um, let's get you warmed up. Now, um, uh, my actors will attest to the fact that I believe an actor's strength is his warm-up. And, uh, and your voice is a very precious thing. So uh, I think since you, the audience, are going to be uh, you know, getting involved with your voices, let's give you a little warm-up. <laughs> um, so it might seem a bit silly, but it's actually very serious. Now, um, something I, I do on a daily basis is... Uh, uh, <clears throat> everyone, pucker your lips. That's it. Good, yeah. And then we're going to go... Yeah, lovely, lovely. And let's go... Babushka! Babushka! Good, and now everyone... Bang! Bang! Bang, bang, bang! And then a high one... Bang! Lovely. Okay, I think you sound ready. So, uh... You're welcome. Uh, your voices will thank you later. Now, uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy to take the floor and field some of your initial questions. Uh, Morris, you know, do, do jump in if you like. I'm sure everyone will be dying to hear from you. We are fodder to your cannons. <laughs> so, uh, as Andy said there, uh, it's the premiere. So, uh, you know, we've had no reviews yet. Uh, so we would love to know what you think, really. Uh, so, so, yes. <laughs> Any questions? Hands up. Hands up if you've uh, hands up if you've got a question. It's probably the best system to stick with. Um, no, not a single question. Goodness, oh, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> wow. Well, we've obviously done our jobs then, Morris. <laughs> or are we a little shy? Come on, I've given you a warm up. Please, please, I I am but one of you. Come on, come on. Are you alive out there? Come on. Ah, yes, you there, at the back. I see a tentative hand at the back. Oh, oh, you were stretching. Right, okay. Uh, ah, yes, you there. Yes, hi. Why did you do it? Why indeed? Morris. Why, Morris, why? <laughs> uh, just. No, um, why do we write this show? Well, that's a great question. Great question. Um, well... I was having dinner with my mother, and uh, she'd recently been to a, a school reunion, and uh, she said that there was a, a display there, uh, this sort of dinner thing, uh, which listed notable alumni. And uh, oh, naturally, she hadn't heard of anyone. Um, but then suddenly a name caught her eye that, that did seem familiar. Ruth Ellis. Wow, I said. Who's Ruth Ellis? And... Uh, she explained that Ruth Ellis was the last woman in the UK to be hanged. Uh, she'd been convicted of, of shooting her lover, David Blakely, four times uh, outside the Magdala pub in North London, murdering him. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> you, you okay, Morris? <coughs> yeah, sorry. Wow. <coughs> sorry. Andy, sweetie, can we get some water for the stage? I've got some. It's fine. <coughs> you know, look after yourself, Morris. They've come for a Q&A, you know, they don't want to hear you spluttering all over my anecdotes. <laughs> Uh, now then, where was I? Oh, I've lost my place. Yes, my mother. Yes, right. Uh, um, 
So yes, I, I noted in her a tinge of regret that her school was so bad that a, a criminal had made it to the notable alumni board. But nevertheless, you know, Ruth has a fascinating, complex, and sad story. And um, as you've just seen, you know, filled with all sorts of highs and lows and some pretty dark stuff in there. Uh, for, for, for many years, Ruth was a sex worker and experienced abuse and violence all the way through her life. You know, she had a very, very difficult time of it, poor thing. So, you know, I was immediately drawn, drawn to the idea that Ruth was not just a murderer, but uh, also a victim. You'll often find that people who commit violent acts were once subjected to them, them themselves. Then I turned to my mother and I said, my God, this has to be a musical. <laughs> okay, so any, uh, thank you for your question. Any, any other questions? Oh, oh, hold on, we've got a, we've got a cast member ready. <laughs> Come on up. So everyone, this is Siggy. And, uh, and where's Shat? Oh, he's showering. Sweaty Shat. <laughs> That's my little pet name for Pat who uh, you'll all meet in a minute. <laughs> Harmless fun, <laughs> we love a laugh. No, no, he's got a hard track, a tough track, you know. He, he didn't actually train as an actor, so he's quite inexperienced despite his age. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's treading water, <laughs> not just drowning yet, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but he'll be with us soon. Well, uh, I, I suppose since I've got you two, uh, why don't you intro yourselves? Uh, yeah, hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Siggy Fletcher, and I play Ruth Ellis in the show. Uh, uh, and I, um, I'm uh, Morris. Um, played David Blakely, the, the, the man who, who Ruth murdered. Um, although you, you, you may have noticed uh, that the sequence went uh, slightly awry tonight. Those uh, stage guns have got a mind of their own. <laughs> yes, I did notice that. I think we all did. <laughs> Live theatre. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, now, any more questions? Ah, yes, you. Uh, so, uh, Rodrigo, could you get the, uh, the, the roaming mic over there at the back there? Thank you. That lady there. Yes, what's your question, lovey? Hi. Uh, yes, hi. Um, I thought the show was very evocative of early Brecht. You know, uh, it was Brechtian. Sure. Uh, but it was also uh, very much like Peter Hall's early outings with his work on the neutral mask. Yeah, I, I, I actually was uh, at Peter Schaefer's funeral and me and Stevie Burkoff were having a conversation with Callow. And we all agreed that Brecht might be the biggest influence on the musical form without even knowing it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure we all remember the famous saying, art is all about circles. And when you're back at the start, the cycle begins again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, and, and for the record, I, I fundamentally disagree with everything you just said. Now, any more questions? Uh, and I, I reiterate, we are looking for questions here, okay? Not wafty drivel. Now, um, uh, yes, you. Hi. Why did you think it was appropriate to tackle issues as serious as domestic abuse in the form of a musical? Mm, well, that's, um, that's an interesting question. And the answer is simple. The music of Sting and the Police. I don't know why that's funny. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it's it's just so it's so rich to mine. You know, it's. Uh, I, I don't mind being honest in uh, in saying that tonight, when we all saw Ruth's final moments before being hanged, underscored by fields of gold. Well, uh, I just died. You know, I think we all did. It was heart-stopping moment, and I was <laughs> I was an absolute mess. Um, I, I hope that doesn't sound too self-indulgent, as it was my idea. But um, you know, I, I just think. Sting, Sting knows pain. 
you know, I mean, why do you think his parents called him Sting? Um, you know, his music is so versatile and layered, you know, I, I think one minute you're bopping along to message in a bottle and then suddenly, boom, you know, he hits you with the dark and vivid imagery of a song like Roxanne, which you'll remember from the, uh, the Ruth brothel sequence of the, uh, of the show. Not to mention how appropriate Hole in My Life is for Blakely to sing after he's just been shot three times. And, uh, and of course, you know, on a, on, a, on, a, on a grander scale, I think, you know, the story of Ruth Ellis with all of the trauma, pain, love, and happiness, but then ultimately death, irrelevance, and obscurity, well, it perfectly matches the, uh, the career of the police. So, uh, so that's that. Also, I think, you know, because the show itself is called Clive, Will You Call the Police? That just really helped the marketing. Uh, now, Siggy, I've got a little teeny tiny question for you, which I've prepared. Um, Siggy, how did you find marrying together the musical aspects with a tragic role such as Ruthie? Uh, do you mean Ruth? Well, yes. She doesn't appreciate being called Ruthie. I'd expect some respect. Holy fuck! Oh, shit! Bloody hell, sorry. Um, sorry, that the stage gun, I think it, um, it must have been an unfired blank. I'm sorry. It's in the fucking safety, uh, Yeah, on. well, I thought it was. Sorry, sorry, everyone. I, sorry, I wasn't thinking. I'm I, fucking um, dying here, Morris! Yeah, um, sorry. Siggy, do go on. Um, um, what was the question again? Oh, I can't fucking remember now. I, I, I remember it. You remember everything. It was, um, <clears throat> how did um, Siggy find marrying together the musical aspects uh, with a tragic role such as Ruth Ellis? Thanks, Maurice. Uh, sorry for shouting, sweetie. Siggy, how did you find marrying together the musical aspects with a tragic role such as Ruth Ellis? Well, when I approach a new character I'm working with, normally I approach it head on, you know, straight down the line. This time, Ruth actually came to me and from the side, which was, which meant I had to turn, which felt a little dizzying, disorientating. It mm. wasn't easy, but we got there. Together, we got there. Characters are like ghosts. Theater is full of the spirits of those who've gone before and their magical places. And so I just try to tune in and listen. Can you hear them? The spirits of theater. And Ruth, well, she's here with me now. That probably sounds a bit crazy. I, 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 know, I know what you mean, Siggy. Ruth is with me too. Right. Well, I hope that answers your question anyway. Mm. And uh, what's your favorite song to sing? <laughs> I think um, Don't Stand So Close To Me. It's a huge moment of release for Ruth. Mm. Also quite apt because Pat is actually standing quite close to me in that moment. Mm -hmm. It also unlocks a lot for her because oh, it's, just, it's just a moment of, of heightened truth. And on a personal level, I do think de-do-do-do, de-da-da-da, that one, that one actually trumps it for me. That, mean, that means a lot. Mm. Oh, here we go. The third and final member of the cast is ready to grace us with his presence. Shat's here, fresh from the shower. You took your time. Hi, everyone. I'm Pat. Um, Pat, do you fancy running us through all the characters you multi-roll? Uh, yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's quite a lot. Uh, let's see if I can reel them off, shall we? Just listing them is enough, Shat. Get uh, on with it. My name is 
Pat. That's what I said. You, you said shat. Get over yourself. Okay. Uh, well, I play um, Bertha Guthels, her mother, um, Arthur Hornby, her father, all five of her siblings, including Muriel. Um, then I play Arthur's twin brother, Charles, and the steam wagon that killed him in the bicycle slash steam wagon collision sequence. Uh, then I play Morris Connolly, George Johnson Ellis, Mike Hawthorne, Desmond Cusson, Mary Dawson, uh, Anthony and Carol Fine later, and Blakely's friend, Clive Gunnell, uh, who is the man referred to in the show's title, Will You Call the Police Clive? Which is, of course, what Ruth Ellis said to Clive Gunnell in the moments after she had just killed Dave. And then I play Gladys Yule, a bystander um, who lost the use of her right thumb from the ricocheting bullet. And, of course, sings that solo number, Can't Stand Losing You, about her thumb. Um, I also play Ruth's defending counsel, Aubrey Melford Stevenson. Then, of course, her prosecutor, who has the unusual name of Christmas Humphreys. And then I play the famous hangman, Elbit Pierpoint, who sings the rousing duet of Fields of Gold with the spirit of Ruth during the confetti finale and jig. The finale didn't quite go to plan, as I'm sure you're all aware. And uh, Pat's our understudy as well. Oh, yes. Please don't get injured. I'm not sure I'd manage. <laughs> you'd struggle. You'd try, but you'd struggle. Well, yes. But this is your theatrical debut, and I think you're absolutely smashing it. Yeah, totally. Uh, Pat was, um, was an, an accountant for, for how many years? Uh, ten. A decade. Wow, that's a lot of tax returns. Uh, can I just chuck in a question for Pat? Pat... What made you want to come over to the dark side? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't realise that you were leading this Q&A now, Siggy. <laughs> Shall I just pop off to the bar? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I just thought people might be interested. No, 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 go on, Siggy, by all means, have a go. Well, uh, I always loved theatre. I would go as much as I could, and I always sat there thinking, I could do that. Bit arrogant, chat. My name is Pat. Um, I'm not saying I was sat there thinking I can do better. I just thought it would mean the world to me if I could spend every night in a theatre till the day I die. It's totally electric. I, I can see why people never retire from this job. Oh, and being an accountant was quite lonely. It's a very solitary life, and I was often envious of the camaraderie that the companies of actors seem to have. I've got to say, I've loved performing in this show. It's so great we're all together. I mean, sometimes it's hard and there is pain, but we're all together. Any more questions? Uh, come on, there must be some. Oh, Andy! Andy, the artistic director. <laughs> Go on, then. Uh, yes. Hi, guys. I just wondered if you could talk a little more about why you came to Stratum Space Project for this show. Maybe you could discuss how it was that we came to work together. Good question, Andy. A little self-serving, but uh, good nonetheless. <laughs> well, it was a happy coincidence, really, wasn't it? Uh, you see, Andy and I are both members of the same a cappella jazz troupe, known as Le Jazz's Fantastique. And uh, we, we never really spoke much, but uh, you see, Andy's a, a deep, chesty bass and I'm a soprano, so our sections d don't really mix. Uh, but, uh, but I heard Andy ran a theatre, and so one day I went over and introduced myself. He's a very nice man, very generous and interested and 
curious and enthusiastic. So when I said that I, I felt that no one had really theatrically delved into the subject of Ruth Ellis, her life, her crimes, and her hanging by the hand of the, the famous hangman Albert Pierpoint, who, well, <laughs> deserves his own musical, truth be told, Andy's face lit up. You see, uh, well, as he said in his introduction, Ruth Ellis used to work in this very building. So, you know, it made sense. He offered me a very reasonable box office split and the rest is history. There's also the business about her ghost, babe. Well, yes. Uh, we think she's been visiting the dressing rooms. Uh, um, Pat and I uh, share a, a dressing room and, um, well, it started as a, as a cold draft. We'd, we'd be in there and suddenly we just shiver at the same time, you know, goosebumps all over. It's, it's hard to explain, but it's... Um, it's like someone dropping snow down your top. Uh, and, and then there have been footsteps in the corridor. One night uh, after tech, we were getting changed and we heard footsteps approaching. It's a very echoey corridor and we thought it was Babe coming to give us notes. But the footsteps came right up to our door and then nothing. No one was there. It was creepy. Happened. Happened loads of times. Oh, actually, I just, I just heard it now, but when I came out of the shower, thought one of you was coming to get me to tell me to hurry up. She's here. She's definitely here, her spirit. But that's not all, is it, Morris? Um, I, I've seen her. <clears throat> uh, okay. I, I was uh, last in the building, uh, getting ready to head home. I, I picked up my bag and, well, we've got these big, um, huge uh, mirrors in, in our dressing rooms and, uh, well, I picked up my bag off the floor and out the corner of my eye I felt a presence standing behind me in, in the mirror but just like to the side and behind me and it was a shape, like a smudge on the mirror but there was no smudge and um, she was there. I, uh, I knew she was there. She was angry. Uh, you know when someone's looking at you, you know, you can just tell that someone's looking at you and um, you just have a sense. And that's, that's what I had. And um, I knew she was just there behind me, looking at me. I could feel her gaze. She was breathless, like she'd had all the life um, choked out of her. Yeah, you're not going to believe this, but um, I suddenly felt um, anger filling me like this smudge and um, this spirit entered me and channeled all of her trauma into <coughs> I'm sorry oh god and um, <coughs> needless to say I I ran out of the dressing room and um, and halfway down Streatham High Street and uh, I, f I felt like I'd run away from a loved one you know it was, it was clear that she wanted a second life through me, and um, oh, I haven't felt right ever since. So it um, sounds like I've lost the plot, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm not even the one playing Ruth, so yeah. Progress, Morris. Progress. Right. Any more questions? Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, thank you, Rodrigo. Thanks at the front there, sweetie. Thanks. Thanks, Rodrigo. I'll buy you a gin and tonic after. Thanks, Rodrigo, sweetie. Thank you. Hello. Yes. Yes. Oh, do stand up so we can hear you. Remember that voice warm-up projection I gave you? Hello. How difficult was it to legally secure the rights to all the Sting songs? Gosh, we really don't have time to get into that, I'm afraid. Uh, next question, please. Hi. Why did you do it? 
Uh, next question. Uh, hi. Yeah. I've actually got three questions. Is, is that all right? Uh, my, my first question is, um, I'm an actor. <laughs> I just graduated from drama school a few months ago and wondered if you think getting a haircut would make my casting better. I'm sort of in two minds whether to cut it or not. Haircut or no haircut, there's no denying. You've got an unusual face. Uh, I, I think you'll be fine. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, sorry, can I actually add a little tiny question onto the end of that? Was that the question? <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, it was, what do you mean by um, unusual face? Oh, you know, and, um, well, I, well, you know, just, uh, and, uh, don't take this the wrong way, monsterish. You know, a bit, uh, okay, a bit uh, grotesque. You know, I, I, I don't know, like, uh, like someone shot you in the face. You know, I, I'm saying it's a good thing. You know, it's, uh, it's a niche casting bracket that you're in. So if we ever get out of this bloody theatre, you could go up for, I don't know, Frankenstein's monster, uh, zombies, you know, that sort of thing. The, the undead, uh, the new Lord of the Rings. You know, that's got a, all sorts of, um, you know, hellish creatures in that, you know, the... Uh, Orcas, whatever you call them, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. Dead things, mainly. Um, I mean, you know, it's no offence. It's a good thing, okay, sweetie? Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. Um, so my other questions were, well, uh, firstly, one for Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi. I, I thought you were amazing. Like, really, really amazing. Uh, as, as a fresh drama school graduate, I just want to say that you really inspired me. Like, I'd love to play so many parts like that at some point. Oh, uh, gosh, uh, thanks. Good luck. One of the best performances I've ever seen. Um, so my, my, my question for you was, well, I wondered if I could get your opinion on the haircut. Oh, um, look, I've already answered that, okay. Look, I thought we had three questions. What's the last one? Come on, we, we don't want to be here forever. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I just wanted to know what the casting process was like for this. Hmm. Well, in a word, lengthy. I mean, you know, really it starts during the writing process. Uh, already I'm forming in my head how I want each character to look and be presented. Uh, it, it helps to be thorough with this so that when you do come to auditions, you know, nobody is wasting anyone else's time. If you don't look right, it is not going to work. Uh, sometimes it does take seeing someone in the flesh to know they haven't got the right look. So, so very often in the audition, someone would walk through the door and straight away I would say, no, go away, you don't look right. <laughs> You know, sometimes I would get pushback, like, but I've travelled from Manchester, or, you know, don't you want to hear my speech? No, frankly. There's no point. Y you look wrong. Make a day of it in London, you know, go on the London Eye. Time is precious and I'm setting you free. Some, something else will come along where you do look right, possibly. So, you know, wait for that. For example, you, haircut boy, you know, uh, you, you could walk into an audition for one of the cadavers in Casualty. Maybe you could possibly, you know. So, well, yes, when someone looks right, that's half the battle. Uh, you just pray that they can also sing and dance <laughs> and act. Uh, and, uh, uh, I mean, that was a golden moment when, when Siggy came in. I just knew, you know, Siggy, Siggy, well, perhaps you, you, you know, perhaps you'd like to talk about the audition process from your end. Um, it's funny. I'm, I'm finding it quite hard to, to remember it. I mean, all I can think about is the here and the now and 
getting to the bottom of what went wrong at the end of the show. So professional. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, (coughs) I just need some water. So, Siggy, uh, maybe you could unpack that a little, you know, what you just said. Um, Sorry, um, I just think tonight has been... uh, It's been a lot. And we still haven't got to the bottom of why it happened. Exceptional. You see what I mean? It's... She's a phenomenon. (laughs) Uh, Always striving to find a deeper meaning, always digging, rooting out every last skeleton in every last closet. And similarly, Morris was great in the audition too. You know, he killed it as David Blakely. And it was so interesting. He, (laughs) I hope you don't mind me saying this. He brought in a little antique 38 caliber Smith & Wesson Victory model revolver, which is the very weapon that Ruth Ellis used. I have an interest in historic items. <laughs> now, it, you know, some directors might have been a bit freaked out, but uh, not me. I, I thought it was so impressive and interesting and, and, you know, showed a real commitment to the project. Thanks, babe. No, 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 really. No, he, he was great. It was effortless. He came in and he blew both barrels directly into my heart. <laughs> I had no idea at that point that he'd quite literally kill us all on opening night. But of course, casting is not always so easy. For example, Pat. Now, uh, I know that you said that you liked uh, Pat's performance, Zombie Boy, but I've got to tell you that what you actually liked was me and on my direction. You see, Pat didn't train. Did I mention that? You know, he was was a numbers man who who decided to have a go on the stage. (laughs) Like it's easy to just suddenly pluck years of home craft from the air. (laughs) No, no, his audition was like pulling teeth. I mean, rabbits in the headlights, corpse-like, wooden. The truth is, I'm not sure even you know this, Shat. So maybe this is an exclusive, but I actually didn't cast you. You were really the bottom of my list and everyone else pulled out. So rather than getting the job per se, you you sort of ended up with it. How does that make you feel, Shat? My name is Pat. That's what I said. You keep calling me Shat. And you keep upstaging Siggy, but that doesn't stop you keep doing it, does it? Upstaging Siggy? During the Lacuna Bar brothel scene, you stand directly in front of her. Only because you make her take her top off and it's completely unnecessary. It's art. Just stop calling me Shat, please. Well, stop shitting on my show. (laughs) Another question, I think. Um, Morris. Morris, why did you do it? Oh, yes, yes, great. Uh, let's talk about what drew you to the project. Um, I'm very interested in art that tackles um, murder. Okay. Uh, would you like to elaborate? Uh, uh, right, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, this show, um, well, it's, it's all about murder, isn't it? Like, uh, there's, there's a murder that takes place in a public place. Yeah, no, no, we all know that, Maurice. Uh, I, I mean, you know, they all just, they all just witnessed that. I, I think my question is, why are you interested in art that tackles murder? Oh, oh, I see. Um, well, because I saw one, a murder. Well, this is, well, this is another exclusive little story for our audience. Uh, Goodness, I didn't, I didn't know that, Morris. You never mentioned it. Didn't come up. Right. Well, I'm aware we, uh, we, we could stumble into potentially quite dark avenue here, but uh, 
I suppose the show itself, you know, deals with the uh, the rotten side of the apple, as it were. So, um, well, Morris, would you feel comfortable sharing your experience? Yeah, can do, yeah. And it, and it's appropriate, is it, for a, for a post-show Q&A? I think so. Okay. Morris, darling, you really don't have to. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. So, um, <clears throat> I was about five years old, uh, visiting London with my mum and dad, uh, summer holidays, and um, one night we'd been to see a show on the West End, and um, we'd caught the last tube uh, back to the hotel, and uh, we were on the escalator um, coming out of our stop, and um, two two men were ahead of me, um, about halfway up, one in front of the other, and the um, well, the guy the guy behind was trying to talk to the guy in front and I wasn't sure what he was saying they were too far away but he, he was sort of incoherent and then um, out, <clears throat> out of nowhere the um, the bloke behind uh, pulls out a blade um, grabs the one in front and it's like a, an arm wrestle sort of thing it's not but because he slits his throat and um, it's right there on the escalator and um, I don't really process what I'm seeing at first um, the, the, the guy with the knife uh, runs up the escalator and, and leaves and the, the other guy falls d down the escalator steps until he's only a few steps ahead of us and um, uh, my mum is screaming and uh, well, my, my dad's afraid of blood so he started getting faint and the escalator is not a soft landing you know it's um, his neck hit the step at a bad angle and uh, the crunch, crunching noise I can um, of his neck on the metal, and um, I could it be, it'll be with me for the rest of my life. And, um, and so he's, he's lying just ahead of me now, um, body crumpled, and he's, um, his head now facing me. So that his eyes are staring um, right down at me, and um, there's blood everywhere. And uh, the, the cut must have been deep because um, it hit an artery and uh, really sprayed, you know, and uh, jugular vein, I think, yeah. Uh, so we're getting uh, close to the top of the escalator now and I, I don't know what to do um, because the steps are moving, aren't they? You know, in an escalator, but it doesn't stop for anyone. I mean, mum called out and shouted for someone to stop the escalator, but there was um, no one else about. So the man, he's, uh, he's writhing around at the top of the escalator and his, um, his shirt is getting you know, chewed up by, by the moving steps. And it's, it's wrapping around him and sort of ripping. And, and I, I know that we're going to have to you know, step over him. Um, but, um, well, the, the stairs don't stop, do they? And so at the end, we all just sort of like um, flop over him. And it's, his body is flinching and... Um, trips us up and mum, me, my mum and dad fall into a pile on the ground and we're all screaming now. And his shirt is being ripped off by the teeth at the top of the escalator. So I've never been able to get it out of my mind for my entire life. Um, so uh, to some degree, I like to explore it through art because it feels cathartic.
<clears throat> Fuck me, Morris, that's fucking hell. Well, uh, who's got another question? Ah, yes, you there, lady at the back with the peroxide blonde hair. Who? Oh, oh, uh, sorry, sorry. I, I keep thinking there's a lady hanging at the back there. It's just the lights and the, uh, I think one of the cables is uh, swinging around. Sorry, any more questions? Come on now, I think we should probably steer the good ship Q&A back to safer waters. <laughs> any more questions? Ah, yes. Yep, thanks, Rodrigo. Uh, yeah, uh, I have to say I found this show abhorrently disrespectful. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but... Uh... Oh, well, then don't. If you don't like it, fuck off to see Wicked. <laughs> we are a musical which is dealing with real issues, okay? Not some green tart in a harness. We are tackling the grit of life, the truth. Yes, the truth. Let's talk about the truth. If you can face it, Morris. <coughs> <coughs> Oh my god, sorry. What is wrong with my throat tonight? Sorry. <clears throat> what were we talking about? I think we were taking another question. Uh, yes, you there. Why did you do it? Don't know what you're talking about. Come on. Don't do that, Morris. We all need to know. I mean, that's the point of a Q&A, isn't it? Answers. We need answers, and we still don't have any answers. <laughs> Stop <laughs> coughing! I don't, I don't think I'm coughing. I think I'm... I think I'm choking. Well, of course you're choking. You've hung yourself in the dressing room. Can someone get me down? It's too late. There's no one to help you. Is it? Come on, Morris. We don't have much time before you're gone for good. What do you mean? We need answers. That's why we're all here, Morris. Us, Andy, the audience. We've all come to see you. But why? Just do it. Before it's too late. We need you to take ownership of what happened, Morris. I... I don't want to. That's not an option. Tell us, Morris, please. From the beginning. Um, um... It's, um... It's foggy, but, um... As soon as I entered the theatre this afternoon, I, I, I suddenly felt angry. Frustrated. You know, Babe um, ran a warm-up... Uh, uh, but he, he was vis visibly stressed and nervous about Pat, and, and he, he, well, he didn't think he was up to it. He didn't think he could do it. I mean, it has a lot of parts. It's a tough track, and everyone else was okay, but I just sort of uh, couldn't shake this angry feeling. Like, it was the, the essence of Ruth, and I hated it. It was so cold and it hurt, and we started the show, and we, we, we were nervous, but it was going okay, but then the... Um, The murder scene in the number, um, Don't Stand So Close To Me, I, I saw her. Ruth, the smudge on the mirror. But this, this time it wasn't a smudge on a mirror, it was a smudge on my field of vision. And it was like a stage light blinding me and She's so hurt. She's so wounded. I could feel her anger. I could feel her pain. And so we got to the murder scene, the one where Ruth shot, shot me. It was good, Morris. You were electric. I had no notes. It was after Blakely's death. I, I left the stage. 
And I, I stood there in the wings and noticed Babe's face in the audience. Smug. And I realized that we were so dysfunctional. Babe bullying Pat. Siggy lost in her own ego. And the truth is we weren't getting on and the show was bad. It was disrespectful. It was tasteless. I hated it. I hated Babe. I hated us. And I hated the audience for coming. And Ruth had been so broken by the people in her life. Mistreated and abused and at every opportunity. And we were turning her story into a sting retrospective. And I could feel every ounce of her anger. And I understood why she shot David Blakely. Because if she even felt slightly the way that I was feeling, I'd have shot him too. Where did you get the gun from, Morris? It was supposed to be a prop gun, but you had a real one. You used a real one in the finale, during the Fields of Gold, the hanging scene. <coughs> Morris! <coughs> The first shot happened in the wings. We heard it off stage, almost scared us all to death. And then you walked on in the middle of the scene. We need you to explain what happened. Because none of us are at peace. And we can't be at peace until you face up to it. Look out there at the audience. Look at all those faces. Look them in the eye. They're waiting for answers. They're waiting to move on. Well, Ruth was with me. I already own the gun. The 38 caliber Smith & Wesson Victory Model Revolver. I have an interest in historic items. And she was there the blur in my vision. Only this time I could hear her too. She told me to walk on in the hanging scene. It was when she wanted me to do it, Fields of Gold. I hate that song, she said. I hate that song. So I came on and um, I started with her there on the front row with the checkered dress. I shot her in the chest. Siggy screamed, so I shot her twice. Um, Babe was squealing. He was uh, scrambling for the exit, so I shot him in the back. Um, Pat, he tried to wrestle me, so I shot him in the crown of the head. And um, that kid there, um, the one over there, I shot him in the face. And uh, everyone was squirming like piglets. That's why I shot wildly. Um, reloaded quickly and shot again. I had plenty of bullets, it was amazing. <laughs> Every time I shot, I hit. I never missed. Someone always went down, it was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, and I was winning. And, uh, and Ruth was laughing uh, hysterically in my ear and it was nice to hear her happy. It was the first time her spirit had felt positive. Like getting revenge for this. This, her, her public humiliation um, at the hands of Babe. 
and his shit musical. And soon everyone was gone. And it was just me. And um, then I was alone. And um, I realised I was going to get into a, a lot of trouble for this. Um, so I went back uh, to the dressing room, laced together a couple of belts, um, and um, suspended myself from a beam. Is that okay? Does that answer your questions? No, no. You responded to our questions, but we aren't satisfied with the answers. You blame everything on Ruth, an unhappy spirit seeking revenge. No, this isn't Ruth's doing. You are the unhappy spirit and you are the one to blame. Accept that guilt and we can all go free. There's not much time. You've only got moments left and we can't move on until you've accepted the blame. So, do you? Do you? Morris, do you accept the blame? Yes. Great. Well, thank you everyone for sticking around for the Q&A. It has been a real pleasure. And thank you to Andy for letting us use his space. Obviously, we don't have any more shows scheduled, uh, but you're welcome to stay in the theater for eternity. We just ask that if you, uh, if you do feel like hanging around, you don't occupy the area by the fire escape because Ruth is quite territorial. Uh, but for now, that's good night from us all. And the best of luck for wherever it is the afterlife takes you. Although we don't say good luck in the theater uh, as it's bad luck to say good luck. Uh, so we say break a leg. <laughs> or, of course, in France, they simply say merda, which means shit. And in Spanish, perhaps the most appropriate for all of us here, they say mucha mierda, which translates to lots of shit. <laughs> good night, everyone. Will you call the police, Clive? Live was voiced by... Andy McKean. Cassie Bradley. Simon Pottery. Jake Douglas. Grace Stoll. Arthur McBain. Owen Jenkins. And members of our wonderful live audience. Here at the Stretch and Space Project. And we would like to make special thanks to Liam Nary, Andy McKean, Jasmine Fiore, and Tally Clark. Thank you. Thank you.